0: Uh, this morning, obviously, we're, we're shaking it up. Uh, things are not normal. And so next week, don't come hungry because we will not have breakfast. But, but this week, it was, it was fun. But one of the things, uh, as, as we were praying about what to do today, uh, we have some incredible good friends, Jake and Amy. And they've been with us for a while now. Their hearts are, are, are just, they're great hearts. They're great parents. They're godly, uh, they're godly people. And as we we're thinking about today, they're going to be moving on to uh, Tulsa here in January, or, or not Tulsa, sorry, it's that other tea, that other, Flagstaff. Flagstaff, not even close really to Tulsa, close. F- what was I think of Tulsa? Brant? Brant gave me my notes and it said Tulsa, so they're going to be moving on to Flagstaff very soon, and as we were praying about what to do today, uh, just, just a title came into my mind, and it was Hello Church, Hello Church. Uh, Can we have Jake and Amy just stand up and speak, speak their heart? Uh, Just give them the the freedom to explain who God is or whatever they want. And and that just seemed really, really good. It fit really well with, howdy, folks, let's have breakfast, and let's have Jake and Amy just say, hello, church. And so I've been praying uh, that what we receive today is special to each and every one of us and that God's anointing would be on this morning and that we would all leave seeing who God is even more, more in love with him, and so, and full at the same time, so that's good. Uh, so I'm going to invite Jake and Amy, if you guys would come on up here and and just address us as hello, church. Give it up for Jake and Amy, if you would.
1: Hello, church.
2: <laughs> hello.
1: So uh, good morning. Yeah, it's your first time to church project. Maybe, I'm sorry, I'm not sure yet. Uh, I'll tell you at the end. I told uh, Aaron if we we're going to speak, they had to serve food so you guys would be distracted. Yeah, um,
2: but they already finished eating. That's the worst part. Yeah.
1: So we have uh, I have five disclaimers to to drop before we start. Um, we've never done anything like this before. Uh, we don't have stage experience like Aaron and uh, Jeremy being rock stars.
0: Are you on? I think so. Hello.
1: Um, I put people to sleep for a living, so just be aware of that. Um, uh, I will probably cry at some point um, Amy won't, but I will Save me some pancakes, please And um, we in no way have arrived um, The things we're going to talk about today We're not doing perfectly um, But we're striving And with that being said um, I just want to start with Psalms 19.14 Kind of is our prayer today And it says May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart Be pleasing in your sight O Lord, my rock and my redeemer So, uh, I do have a clock up here, so don't get too worried. Um, the food runs out, we'll be done. Uh, a couple of things that Aaron wanted us to to kind of generally speak on, are we'll kind of go through, but the first one is just who is God to us. And um, I'm going to try this resting on my chin thing. I heard about this. Um, so, to know who God is, I think the first step is just to know how he's real to you. Because if God's not real, it doesn't matter... What you know or what you learn about him, he has to be real to you. For me, um, God is real because I tried to find satisfaction down every avenue, down every street, and every corner, everywhere I could. And at the end of the day, the only time real satisfaction, real joy, real peace um, came to me is in a relationship with God. So, He brought order to my life. He brought Amy into my life, um, and That's He gave part. me true joy. I don't know if you're on. Is she on? I can't even hear him next to her, um, And the other kind of basic truth for me to know uh, who God is is to just understand and realize that only God always does what is good, right, and perfect. If you can't accept that, then we say in Monopoly, go back to start and pay $200. That's going to kind of be your foundation, that, that you can just willingly accept that, that, that God's good, that he's always right, and he's always perfect. And whatever's going on in your life, if you can keep that in mind, follow him in that, then um, everything's going to turn out okay.
2: So, um, so Jake, when they asked us to talk, this was kind of funny because I was like, I have nothing to say, first of all. And um, I cannot be on a stage looking at people. I'm terrified. But um, it was really interesting in, in the questions when we asked for clarification. We said, so what do you want us to say? I mean, we... I, again, I have nothing to say, but um, so he said, "Who who is God to you, and what has he done in your life, and so to actually sit down and think about who is God to me, gosh, I mean, that's like a bit, it's a pretty big question, and it seems really obvious, and then as I started thinking and typing, I'm like, I, I don't know, but the more I thought about it, I mean, it's very simple. He's my father, and he's my savior, and he's the perfect father, so for those of us who you know, grew up in homes. I had, an, I had a, a great father. I still have him. He's, he's alive today. But um, some people didn't have any father. And some people had ones, bad ones, or bad examples of, of who Christ really is. And so um, he is the perfect father. And he's what we should attain, you know, for our children to be. And what I hope my husband can can show our two children. Um, we have a three-year-old and an 11-month-old. and um, yeah right we have uh, two little girls but um, when I think becoming a parent too when I say he's my father that has really changed what I believe a parent is and what a father actually is because um, my understanding has really changed of what a parent does and how they feel and so as I look at my child and people say that you just love them unconditionally you really do and I'm not sure how that happens that has to be a God thing that he just changes your heart but um, but God looks at us like that and He just He just loves us and He wants the best for us and um You know when we break precious China He's still like, Oh, come on, let's clean it up, but let's let's do better next time, you know. Um don't break the plate, you broke the you know the cup, but let's let's try to keep this one intact. Um anyway, so he's my father. That's that's what it came down to. And and Christ is our is my savior. And um You know, he knew all the ugly things I was going to do and um, the life that I was going to lead, which was, you know, just kind of normal, a normal life. But then to go away from him, um, and he still chose to send Jesus for me, for me personally, and for all of us, for all of you. And um, so he's my savior and he's my father. So that's who God is to me. Yeah, sorry. We also think God is a
1: relational God. Um, When God created man, woman, all creation, um, he created us to worship Him. He didn't just put things into motion and say, "Go have fun, seek out your fortunes, seek out your fun." Um, he He wants a relationship with us. He desires that. He earns, yearns for it. I almost said earns, uh, yearns for it. So, it, you know, that speaks a lot about the type of God He is. That He is a father figure. He wants He wants to and. And sometimes we say father figure, and that does sound kind of weird. Because, like, well, not all fathers want relationships, but he truly wants a relationship with each and every one of us. Um, I believe God's also the God of everyday events and of big events. Um, we all love those exciting Bible stories. People throw out some of their favorite Bible stories. This is interaction time. Please, anybody? Daniel, yeah. Thank you, Ray. <laughs> Aaron, Chad, favorite Bible story.
2: Ah. That's a good one. I, I love like that, one, that one, actually. actually. So, kind
1: of I love a story, one of my favorite, and if you're in our house church, you've already heard this, so I'm sorry, I'm recycling. But um, one of my favorite Bible stories, to me, shows a different side of God and, and shows us more about uh, what God's like in the, in the steadfast, day by day, um, in and out part of life. And um, it's really a story in Genesis about a guy named Enoch, and if I had enough sons, one of them would get named that. No. Um, <laughs> no. But if you look at Genesis, we only have
2: girls, so don't worry.
1: <laughs> if you look at Genesis five twenty-one through twenty-four, I'm going to read this real fast, and don't worry about. I'm going to read all these. Uh, if you want to check my references afterwards, you can. But um, just to get through things faster, uh, Genesis five twenty-one says, "When Enoch had lived sixty-five years, he became the father of Methuselah. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God three hundred years." And that is right there walked faithfully for 300 years. I mean, it's mind-blowing. I mean, we, obviously, we don't live that long anymore, but just to do that for three years or 30 years, uh, it really shakes me up. said he had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years, and Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. Um, some people you could debate about what, what that means exactly. I think most commonly accepted is that he's just walking along and God said, time to come to heaven, um, which is pretty cool. Um, we don't have any tales of great adventures in Enoch's life. That's all we have. I mean, it's just like he walked faithfully with God. And he's one of the two people in the Bible that we believe God took straight to heaven without dying. Uh, to me, that's pretty impressive. If that's, if that's your walk, if that's your testimony that I walk faithfully, and, obviously, he was doing things throughout his life to serve God. Um, you know, the, the guy that we think of, that the other guy, Elijah, um, he's this crazy prophet, uh, calls down fire, kills over 100 soldiers, and does kind of these big spectacular things, which God is very powerful. God can do all these things. And God calls him home to heaven, too. But also, then you have Enoch, totally different, just walking along. Um, so, again, to me, God is – he's – He's your everyday guy. He's not the guy you just come to and you do these big events or for big things. He wants to know what you need every day, um, and he wants to be there to help you with that.
2: So another thing that um, we were kind of asked to speak about was what the gospel story is in our life. And, I mean, that's really the most powerful thing that we have is our own story and, and what has what God has actually done in our lives. Um, and another thing that was interesting when I went to go write my testimony, I thought, I ha- again, I have nothing to say because there hasn't been anything really big in my life. You know, there ha- I haven't had any huge trials, anything. Um, and so I thought, oh, I think Jake should talk about this part because his life is so much more interesting than mine. You know, um, but I feel like I feel like uh, Satan kind of does this to us, and he makes us feel defeated before we even start. Um, you know, making me personally even feel like i don't have anything important to say my life cannot affect anybody else's my story so the more that i started kind of unpacking um i kind of wrote something out so if i'm looking down more than up please excuse me but um so i grew up in church and i mean from the time i was in the womb i was always there and my my life and my walk turned very very lukewarm like like the Laodicean church from Revelation 3, so I'm going to read a couple verses so you can kind of get in context what I'm what I'm talking about, but it was just really safe and really boring, and so I feel like um, I was seven, I was in Awana, and I accepted Christ, and I truly believe that that was when I became saved, and I knew Christ, and he was in my heart, um, but anyway, let me, let me tell you this Revelation verse. It's Revelation 3, 15, and 16, and then I'm going to hop down to 20, but so it says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. So, you know, after after living a life in church and And just really not doing a whole lot for God. You know, I I was living... And I was actually probably working against him because I was kind of just um, a dull tool. And so I feel like that was almost worse than not even knowing who God was. But um, anyways, after 18 years of living this way, Jake and I had just recently been married. I had um, gone through college and kind of... Not kind of straight away. Completely kind of straight away and done my own thing. My parents had a really tight leash on me as a child, so... Um, I got to college and thought, oh, this is my opportunity, like so many other people do. I don't know why we get that idea. It's not a good one, so don't do it. And um, so, yeah, I went away to college and, and got to see things for myself and try things that I was told not to. And, and then you start to realize this is why they told me this. And as a parent now, I'm like, don't climb on the table. Don't climb on the table. Boom. Okay, that's why you weren't supposed to climb on the table. Now you hurt your head. Or, you know, But my parents had told me over and over not to do these things, and I still did. So anyways, now Jake and I, the Lord put us together pretty amazingly. Um, I would say randomly, but it wasn't. It was perfectly. It was just the way God's plan was. Um, brought him to Flagstaff, Arizona, which is where we're moving back to, and um, put us at the exact right place where we were supposed to be together. And so um, I had already bought a home in Las Vegas, which is also an awesome place to not really. Um, (laughs) Go for your Christian walk. Um, And um, I bought a home in Las Vegas, and so Jake kind of had to come with me. He didn't really have a choice. That wasn't in his um, plan to move to Las Vegas. He would have probably liked to stay in Flagstaff, and that's probably why we're moving back there. (laughs) But, um, so actually, being in Las Vegas, though, is where we found change. And, um, we were invited to a church like three times before we actually showed up. Um, and so we went to, it was kind of a newer church plant, and um, Jake and I started going, and we were kind of half-heartedly going. But this, the people in this church, after the very first time of us visiting, remembered our names the next time that we showed up to the door. And I don't know why that still to this day stuck with me, that they said, hi, Jake, hi, Amy. I was like, oh, Okay, I kind of wanted to sit in the back she row. sit in the back row. I'm total back row. So I wanted to sit in the back row. I don't want you to, to remember who I was. I wanted to sneak out before, you know, you held me accountable for anything. And um, But they didn't, and they pursued us, really intentionally pursued us. Um, if we missed a service, they would send us a little postcard that said, hey, we missed you on Sunday. We're like, how'd you know that? You don't even know our names barely. But they did. Um, and then... Um, so anyways we started going and we were going Sunday morning Sunday night we were going on Wednesdays we were uh, hanging out with people on the side and so God really changed our hearts and definitely mine and it was like wake up I don't you know I want you to live for me and so I I kind of jokingly say that I had invited Christ into my heart but he was still like in the entryway on the welcome mat you know like hey should I take my shoes off or or you know, what should I do? He was just kinda of there and I, I hadn't really invited him into my house, into my life. And so um at that point I did. And I was kind of starting from um from the very beginning. My faith was still like a little kid's. I you know, I, I knew like Jonah and I knew um you know Daniel and Lion's Den. I knew these really big stories, but my life did not look like what the Bible said. And I didn't know the Bible. That was probably the worst part. Um so Friends who had seen me grow up in church my entire life, they would, they would even ask me questions, and I, I had no idea what they were talking about, because they knew a lot more about the Bible, even than me, and they they had not grown up in church, so, long story short, I started um, reading the Bible, isn't that crazy, like, actually crazy opened it, Try it. and the funny thing is, this is actually even the Bible that, that I started reading, and, um, it was just—it was just really mind-blowing how much is in Scripture and what it taught me. Just things that I, I just didn't understand. And as I began to seek God, and, and He would show me things that I just couldn't even believe were there, and they were there all the time. And I, you know, I, I had just never tapped into any of these things. So, um, so we were reading the Bible, the Bible every single day. And so now to this day, I've, I've read through the entire Bible a couple times. Not that I'm—oh, I'm so great. No, I'm—I'm I'm learning a lot, but. Um, I actually was able to read the Bible for the very first time out loud with Jake because we started as a couple. Um, we'd read one chapter in the New Testament and one in the Old Testament. And every night, this is how we did it. And then we'd pray together. Um, and we'd pray out loud for each other, which is really powerful if you've never done that, by the way, any any couples. Um, to actually hear your spouse or your partner or whoever it is um, pray for you, the things that, I mean, you really get a... Um, a peek into their mind and what's going on and how they are, they're feeling towards you because sometimes we don't say those things. We don't say the really obvious things. But um, anyways, a, a quick little funny story is that to prove, <laughs> this is just to prove how much I didn't quick. know scripture. Quick. Yes, I'm sorry. I do start talking a lot. Um, <clears throat> remember, I had nothing to say. So, so as I'm reading scripture, I'm going through and, and you guys know the word behemoth so I pronounced it incorrectly, and I think I said behemoth, and so, I don't even know what I said, but I was just reading it anyways, and Jake just stops, and he gets this horrible look at his face, and bursts into laughter, and I'm like, why is that so funny, you know, it's like, you really don't know how to say it, no, I don't know, so anyways, that's all, that's all to say too, that um, we all have to learn, you know, and so I'm in my mid-20s, and I've been a Christian my entire life, and here I am I'm just learning. I'm I'm starting at, at the at the ground level and um basics. And so I feel like to anybody who has been in my position and just to not be afraid, you know, ask questions and even the really embarrassing ones, like, what is a behemoth, moth? You know? <laughs> it's like things like, why don't I know this? <laughs> you know. But um But don't be too proud because we don't know. I mean, you don't know anything until you really have experienced it. A lot of times, that's how—at least that's how I learn—is by um, actually, you know, being there and and digging in the trenches with other people. Especially because um, as as I'm pretending to teach other people, I'm learning, you know. And that's still true today. So um, don't be afraid and don't be embarrassed because more than likely, other people have those same questions, you know. And, um, yeah, we don't have to be so proud. But, anyways, sorry. That was really long. This is the gospel story in my life. I have nothing to say. All right, go ahead. So, uh,
1: I think women are more into details, so.
2: Yeah, totally. Just a basic summary.
1: (laughs) My story, the generic version, which I could go on for probably hours on. But um, I was a child of God. Um, (laughs) I made a bad choice in life. Felt like God let me down instead of owning up to my choices. Um, Basically lived as an enemy of God for 10 years. And, um, through meeting Amy, through some events in my life, um, I just really got to know God, got to know that God wanted a relationship with me. And, um, so the rough outline of my story is just that I was a rebel, that I, uh, walked away from God. I wanted nothing to do with Him. When I came back to God, kind of overshot was very legalistic. Um, found some moderation, found this groovy term called the gospel um, and and how it should be the center and the focus of our life and um, moved from being basically a fan when I was in church when I was a kid where it's like, oh, yeah, I love Jesus, you know, as long as he's being good to me or as long as he's winning. But I was never really a follower, Um, never was willing to, to own up to the consequences of my choices or to follow God even when it wasn't easy or even when you felt like he may have turned against you or just left you out to dry, which he doesn't do, but you feel that way sometimes. So um, through that journey, one of the things that came up, um, there's a speaker, his name is uh, Eric Samuel Tim. If you ever get a chance to hear him speak, he's a painter, artist, tattooed, weird guy, cool guy. But he came and spoke uh, one Sunday and and his topic, the thing he does, you can Google him and watch him do it, but it, it's, if you've been in our basement, you've seen this big, giant painting that says repaint Jesus. You could
2: not miss it if you've been in our basement.
1: A little scary, yeah. so we don't put it in the guest room because we don't want people to like, wake up crying piece, at night. It's like
2: not a bedroom put somewhere else.
1: But um, <laughs> basically, it, it really got a hold of me, and actually we had invited some friends that um, it just snagged them too because this idea of repaint Jesus um, can sound at first like, well, that's kind of weird. Like, why would we want to change Jesus? It's not about changing Jesus. It's about changing the perception of Jesus. Um, A lot of us around here or everywhere have heard people say, you see something on the news, you see a headline, and they say, well, if that's who Jesus is, I don't want anything to do with that. Um, And unfortunately, the church, and I don't know the history of it, but basically created this country club mentality like we're the elite members you know jesus is for us and you know not really for you guys so Mm -hmm. i I feel like our generation and our generation means the people sitting in this room today and 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 churches like-minded all across the u.s is really to repaint this picture of jesus to people that they'll see that religion and god separated a long time ago basically with the fall um god is is not into religion um and it's hard to it's hard to make that or have that conversation with people, but it's just like it's coming back to saying that's not Jesus, that's not what He wants. And I think that's what we, at the end of the day, that's all we can say when we we see something or, or we're embarrassed by someone, um, just to just to realize and to point them to Him, always pointing back to Jesus and say, Jesus loves. You know, He came to save, not to judge, not to condemn, um, and. I was hoping Amy was going to give me a little buffer there so I could regain my thoughts, but uh. she failed me. Okay, um, well,
2: let me tell you then real quickly. Details, right? <laughs> so the repaint Jesus thing, the, the reason that it was so interesting was that he didn't say anything. He painted it in, like, I want to say less than five minutes. And one, one song. Yeah, and during one song, he painted this picture. And the whole time you're watching him, you're thinking, what is that? That is nothing. It's just a bunch of, like, blo- black blobs on this on this canvas. And all of a sudden, he flips it around, and it's Jesus' face. And then he just is, like, throwing red paint up onto this canvas. And it's, it's basically like the blood running down the side of, of Jesus' face. And it, it's incredible. Anyways, if you do, like you said, if you do go on YouTube and kind of watch this thing happen. But it happened in front of us, and the whole time we're thinking, what is this? And then we ended up owning this picture, so that was so recollected your thoughts. Re- I'm recollected.
1: I rebooted. He's booted. Um, <laughs> the last thing I want to talk about just in, in um, um, what even topic are we on? I don't know anymore.
2: You're talking about your gospel story.
1: Our gospel story, how Jesus is real to us. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the plug in here. Sorry, everybody. But um, you got to give. Um, and I'm not talking just financially, but the thing that we've discovered more than anything is that, um, and I heard someone say this just two weeks ago, and I was like, what a great saying. But the grass is always greener on the side that's watered and fertilized. You can't just can't just say like, "Oh, I want to serve God," and then not put anything into it, um, because you can live as a defeated Christian. You're a child of God, but you may not be living in joy. You may not be living in victory. And I sound like a televangelist right now, but um, I just that's
2: not going to happen by giving. By the way, it's just right.
1: I don't have any hankies to give out or seed money or anything, but um, giving. And in, in every aspect of your life, yes, financially, with your time, with your talents, with your treasures. Yeah. Um, Malachi 3:10 says, "Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house." Because back then, a tithe was food. Um, Test yeah. me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Um, again, a lot of people use that for a uh, financial thing, like if you give, He's going to bless you. I'm not talking about that. Sometimes it is it's money. Possible but he'll bless your life and enrich your life, put you in a crowd of people like the people that are sitting here today. And, um, that makes a big difference. So why do we attend church? Why are we here today? Um, for us, um, mm-hmm. it's easy. And we found this when we became parents, it's easy just to say we go to church because that's what we do, you know? And, and we went to a parenting conference yesterday and, and she said, this is what our family does. Well, it's more than that. Um, Obviously, we attend church. It's biblical. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. I mean, you come in on Sunday, you see your friends, it's, it's like a shot in the arm. It's, it's, yeah. People refresh you just by being Rebel. around. You see Ray, and you've you got to be happy. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> um, we also attend so we can celebrate. Um, coming to church is a time to celebrate. Sometimes it's in our victory. Sometimes it's in our sorrows. But we come together with our family, and we can sing to the Lord. We can sing with Jeremy a new song that's pretty catchy. Um, we can connect with like-minded believers and with the lost. Um, you know, sometimes people stumble in, and, and that's the opportunity to see them. If you're sitting at home saying, I don't need to be a part of this, then you're missing that opportunity. Uh, it's also a time to contribute. I know I just talked about giving, and I'm, again, not necessarily talking about contributing financially, but uh, Acts 4.32 says, all the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that, they, that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. And again, if you're not here, if you're not listening and having conversations with people, you don't know the needs, you can't contribute. You know, if, if you just show up, you're here for 10 minutes, and then you leave, or you're here for the sermon, and then you leave, you never really get to know people, and you never know how oh, I have an extra lawnmower in my garage I'm getting ready to throw out. Oh, you need a lawnmower. Awesome. Like, you know, so it, it's a time where we can really live that way. In our society, we don't we don't live as, quite as tight as they used to, but mm-hmm. it, this is a way we can come together and see what's going on in people's lives, see our friends.
2: Yeah. That's probably what our daughter looks forward to most. Is Kyle and Brinley going to be there? Nevaeh? You know, all the kids. So it's a way to build also.
1: So we'll try to go a little faster here. Sorry. Um,
2: we are the away. next
1: kind of area that Aaron has talked about is just how we could how we've seen God move in our lives and the lives of others around us. Um, for me, um, I think about life as two crises of faith: the one that pushed me away from God and the one that brought me back. Um, uh, God took tragedy. You know, I know. I don't know if she's here. Okay. Um, people lose parents. I lost one at a young age. Um, luckily, that was the second crisis of faith that pushed me back to God, um, drew me close to Him. And, um, so for me, that was kind of the turning point where, where things became real, where I knew that I needed God more than anything else in this world. Um, and Romans three, five or five, three, sorry, through five, through verse five says not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character and character, hope, and hope does not put us out to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy spirit who has been given to us. Um, yeah, I mean, some of the most powerful things in life are what we consider negative things, but God can bring good out of anything. Mm -hmm. And I just want to encourage you if, if you have something going on or if something does arise in your life, don't view it as, and it's easy just to say, like, don't view it as God punishing you because he doesn't punish, but look at it as God has a plan. As we said before, he's always good. He's always perfect. And, um, just yeah. seek him in that.
2: So just as in seeing what God has done in our lives and the lives of other people and, and with an idea of my testimony in mind, um, or lack thereof, as I would have thought, but um, just getting to know other people and, and even people who are in the same position as me and, and um, just really growing in community and being able to lift each other up and so, to plug real quick for house churches and small group, I'd say the biggest the biggest growth, and for me personally, and I think also for Jake too, is when we did get into a small group. And and at first, it was kind of the idea of of what is this Bible study, you know, good old fashioned Bible study. And and I think it's had a, it's got a really bad rap and a bad name because of that. But um, when we were we were living in St. Louis and Jake was in anesthesia school, that's when we really got into a group and it was probably the time where we had the least amount of time in our entire life. And so our time was so precious and it was like these few hours a week and and at first we were kind of not into giving our time, you know, for this, but the more we got immersed in it, it was like a lifeline. It was it was every week where we could come and and say those embarrassing questions or how was your week? What's going on? And like, oh it's kind of it wasn't very good really, you know, it was kinda I feel defeated or or it was awesome, and we can joy together, and so to plug for house churches and for any kind of small group, you guys, it's like, if you're not in one, you are really missing out, and I know Aaron says this probably every week, get into one, but it's it's so important, I mean, so, so important. My personal growth is just amazing in the light of other people's, and I think as people bring up issues that you also maybe have, you know, and you can kind of talk through them, and um, not that they have the answer either. We don't have the answers, but we could pray together. Um, we can lift you up. We can talk to you, text you during the week and say, how you doing? Or um, what's going on with this? How can we help you? So um, go to house church. Get in one. There's one at our house. Come to our house. And um, Fridays.
1: don't tell your friend, don't call it Bible study. That yes. scares people. <laughs> You know, we, we used to like slap people on the forehead when they'd say, Oh, I'm going to invite my friend to Bible study. We're like, Don't call it that. They'll never come. Like, that's like what grandma did. And not that Bible study's wrong or scary. Well, I mean, it is scary. It could be for not studies, that it's wrong, but that yeah. scares people. So just keep that in mind. Um, and some of the things, again, with, with small groups, when you, when you get in true community and it's not just a, a Bible study where you come in for an hour, you, you go over one scripture, and then you leave. It's just seeing, you know, some of our best friends now were people who were always went to church. They've been going forever. You know, they didn't miss a Sunday. They were very dedicated, but they were very protective of their time. They never wanted to kind of take that next step and, you know, do this or that because they had something going on. So Make
2: it a priority. That's what we're saying. They got into
1: house church. Do it. They got super involved. They actually, well, I guess it's called gospel community back then, but they actually took over our group and we moved. Um, they are now deacons in the church. They're involved in everything. And just to see that transformation just by them starting to come to a small group and, and t- kind of take that next step of just like, it's not just Sunday morning. It's getting really connected and pouring into these people's lives. Um, we also saw a, uh, a guy who admittedly said he wasn't a believer. He was coming to church because he was going through a rough time. And when a friend invited him, he didn't know what he felt about God or what he believed. Um, he, from that stage to a relationship with God to pursuing uh, another member in our small group. So if you're single, that's always a possibility. Um, <laughs> in a godly way, getting married. They're having a baby now in a few months. Yeah. Just to see that transformation. And it, it really happened in, in a house church. Yeah. And uh, he asked the girl if she needed someone to mow his, her yard. So it's true. Guys, keep that in Servant's mind. heart. Service heart. your lawn? Woo the woman.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah.
2: That wasn't really supposed to be part that of the topic. That right? wasn't in the
1: notes. That's a bonus. <laughs> um,
2: Wait, can I your yeah. <laughs> yes, Ray. You
1: can borrow my lawnmower. Um, Good idea. But yeah, Jesus, you know, he got 12 disciples. He didn't just come on the scene and say, here I am. I'm going to do this all myself. And those were his apostles. I mean, there was a lot more. Um, 70, how many in that one verse, Aaron? 72 something. Um, so he didn't do it by himself, so neither should we. Yeah. Um, why do we love Church Project? You know, we got a great, good-looking group of people here. Yeah. Um, the thing I love Especially about sure. it is it's just the mission. Yeah. Um, biblical, number one, that's important. Relevant. If you're not relevant, you're not going to have people here. I mean, we, you see churches dying all across the country, not because they're not necessarily preaching God's word, but they've lost context or they've lost touch with what's going on in the world around them. And God's Bible is... Outside of time, it it goes throughout whatever's going on. But to to bring it to a context that people can understand, especially people who don't believe or don't understand, that that's challenging. So to be relevant is huge, and then simple, simple, mind blowing. Keep it simple. Here we are. Um, In anesthesia, we have a principle called the Kiss principle, and it stands for keep it simple, stupid. Uh, You try to uh, do all these magical things and mix techniques and everything, and you end up with a terrible case. So um, I think, yeah, someone could die. Uh, <laughs> the people here are real. Um, what you see is what you get. I mean, obviously, if you're sitting here listening to us talk, then you're real because most people would leave. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, we haven't been here that long and, and everyone here has accepted us. Um, and, and I think they have that the heart that they'll accept every one of you if you're here visiting for the first time and you're kind of like sweaty and freaking out right now it's you're like, not well, like this usually. What's won't going let on? Us back up here. Yeah, we won't be back, don't worry. Don't
2: worry.
1: <laughs> maybe maybe for a guest appearance somewhere down the road, but um, they, really to me church project has the the heart of Proverbs 11:25. Um a generous person will prosper, whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Yeah. Um, when I come here, I I I get something out of it, not just in, in learning biblical knowledge and, and how to live to serve Jesus more, but just being around the people. Um, that's a huge thing. Um, we like to we like to feel good. We like to meet people who we enjoy talking with and going to lunch with and having dollar fifty scoop with. Yeah, and um, those people are here. If you're just visiting, take a minute, get to know them. Don't run out because you just ate, so you don't have to go eat. I know that. Um,
2: that's a good point. Okay, so. Another reason that he was asking, why do we like Church Project? And um, I think what first captured us when we came here was uh, just Aaron's passion in speaking. So, you know, it, you, we've all been to church. Well, not all of us. Some of us have been in churches where you you just kind of feel like you're listening to someone speak. And, and I'm not even sure how much of it they believe or, or if they just were staring at their notes, like how we have 11 pages. I'm not joking. 11 pages. But... um we're more than halfway, don't we? I only have ten. And um, But so when we showed up, I mean, and I could tell that Aaron really believed what he was talking about, and he really cared. I, I feel like he, like you could feel in the way that he spoke that he not just cared about the word of God, but that you understood it, and that he wants you to feel the same way he does about it. And I think that's really important, um, at least for me it was, because that's what I, I was looking for, someone, I mean, I wanted to have a better connection based on other people's, And it's easy to get excited by seeing other people who love the Lord, who really do, though. And you see it in them. You can see it in their face and in their actions. And so um, I love that he was excited. And, and also the, just the music being here. Um, Jeremy's incredible, and I'm just going to give you guys both props. So th- it's, this is crazy that we have this amount of talent here in Church Project. Um, not that we don't deserve it, because we do, and that's part of why this church is so amazing. And um, being able to connect with music that I've never heard—you know—that he writes two days before he he comes up and and performs it, or makes it, up on the spot. You know, um, it's just it's pretty amazing. So the re- i really like Church Project because I feel like it's it's real and it's not a performance. They're showing up. We're really trying to to further God's name and and tell people about the gospel, and um, that you're feeling that when you're here. So,
1: Yeah, and, and um, going back to Aaron again, just, I mean, you have a pastor here that cares about you, he cares about the city, yeah. and he cares about making the name of Jesus famous. And, you know, I have a coworker that goes to one of these mega churches, which I won't mention, but when I said something about going to coffee with Aaron, he's like, what? He's like, oh, I would love to meet my pastor. You know, it's just like... He's like, you know, you, you, you get if you want to meet the pastor, you get, like, some third-string associate pastor. That's who you get for coffee, not, like, the vision caster. Um, yeah. Not to say there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying. Um, but, it's not you your know,
2: preference. That's what we're saying. It's not my
1: preference. Yeah, I'd like to know who who's leading me. But um, yeah. take advantage of it. Um, grab him and say, let's meet up. Let's just talk. Find out what's on his heart um, beyond what he's saying on Sunday morning. Um,
2: and encourage them, too, because... By the way, even if they're great, they need to know that we feel that they're great, you know. And that's not why they're doing what they're doing, but they do need some encouragement. We all do. We like, when we're at work, we like for someone to say, hey, you did a good job today, or, or that looks really great. So they need the same thing. They need to be lifted up, and in prayer, too. They need, they need us to pray for them. So, sorry. Interjecting. So
1: this is, this is kind of where the rubber meets the road, um, and we did start pretty late because of breakfast, so I don't feel like we're holding you guys late. It's it's all the, the food's fault. Um, the gospel is offensive. Um, I I never really thought about it this way, but to our 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 fleshly nature, our sinful nature, we don't like what the gospel tells us to do, and we shouldn't expect other people just to enjoy hearing it. To be told your life is not your own. That you know we were created to to, to serve God to to live for a different purpose. So. I just always try to keep that in the back of my mind. And whenever I have a chance to tell someone that, I enjoy it because I just like saying the word offensive. But it is. It's not something that we take in and say, oh, that's cool. I want to do that. I want to do things I'm not comfortable with or serve someone else over myself. Um, and with that, Jesus didn't die on the cross so that we, would, we could be happy. He's not, you know, sometimes we say he's not like a genie in the bottle. Just like whatever I need, I'll go to him. Um, he wants us to have life. To have enjoyment in life, but it's not all about us being happy in this life. Um, we're promised a better life um, in the next stage of, of life, so to speak, but just to get that mentality that it, it's not happy, 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 as Phil would say, always. I mean, yes, there are days like that, but there are days where life is rough and God is still good. Um, Galatians 2.20, Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And more importantly, Jesus said, um, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. It's just, to me, it's that mindset of just accepting it um, some people say when you when you get saved or when you get baptized, you shouldn't get a, cer- a certificate of baptism, you should get a death certificate because you that's the start of the process of dying to yourself. Yeah. It doesn't sound fun, but I can assure you it's it's well worth it
2: yeah. He's actually pointing that's
1: funny um, what? Okay. Right. scrap it no. um. We kind of already talked about this, but, um, again, uh, meet with your pastor. Um, Aaron loves good coffee, so you have to drive to Denver, pick it up, get it in a tumbler, and drive back really fast so it's nice and warm. Um, they're going to be besties. But um, besties. leaders are held to a higher standard. Um, the Bible tells us that, that you know, he, he's got a big burden on his plate by taking the reins and, and kind of being our spiritual leader. So um, the devil loves to take down leaders. And you see it on the news all the time where some, you know, big church pastor or maybe a small church pastor gets caught up in sin and, and kind of gets taken out of God's work. And that's just what the joy, that's what the devil lives for. So support him, uh, love on him, and bring him good coffee.
2: And bring him good coffee. So um, just, re- I don't know why I am feeling like I need to say this, but I feel like you guys if, if we could give you some, a little bit of advice is to know the word and know scripture and um, make your faith your own and really um, really know what you're talking about and this is this is really important to me of course as I've, as I've been telling you guys is actually knowing um, the Bible and knowing scripture and and just just um, as another funny story, this will help you to remember that. Jake and I, when we were very first married, and we were kind of in this transition, and um, anything that we believed, we would call our parents and say, hey, what do we believe about this? And, And that's kind of funny, considering that, I mean, we both grew up in church, but we were both in this position where, obviously, that hadn't been quite enough, you know? Not that our parents could have done a better job. It wasn't them. It's all about us. It was our choices and our decisions, but... Um, we were in a discussion about uh, end times and something that Scripture is not really clear about for sure, you know. And um, so both of us, instead of reaching for our Bibles like we should have, we both got our cell phones and okay. we're like, "Hey, what do we believe about the rapture? What do we think is going to happen?" And our parents, you know, after we get off the phone, we're like, "That was really silly." So that really kind of stopped that that process of, "Oh, what do, what do I believe only what my parents believe?" And and kind of, it, it was just the beginning of, of a change. And um, so just first some advice is to to make it your own, which we're still doing, by the way. I'm not giving advice like I know what I'm talking about. but
1: um. <laughs> I'm going to do some rapid-fire ones here. Yeah. Uh, question, do you have everyone's phone numbers? You know, the church directory originally, back in the day, if you ever went to an old Baptist church especially, that was a big thing every year to get ready for. But as far as I remember, and I was young, they had pictures and names, but never anyone's phone numbers. Maybe some did. I don't think ours ever did. You know, there's no way you can really reach into someone's life, or just, you know, if you may feel spirit calling on you to call someone, but you don't have their number, and they may have needed that. Um, so take that time. We got cell phones now; it's easy. I think Apple, you have unlimited contact entries. I'm not sure. I remember when you used to only have like 72. So you start phasing people out because you ran out. Um, <laughs> But, you know, if you can't get a hold of someone, you can't pour into their life. And maybe I've, I've had many, many times where I've called someone just out of the blue just because I just felt like, oh, man, I haven't talked to him for a long time. Call him. What's going on? Oh, getting divorced. Oh, wow. What's going on, man? Like, But if I didn't have his number, I would have never called because I'm like, well, I think I should call him, but I don't have his number, so oh, well, you know. Um, so stay connected. Maybe it's email. Maybe it's Facebook friend. I don't know. I don't do the Facebook thing. But... Um, Avoid using the Christian F word, I'm fine. Um, be real with people that you're around. Um, we're, we're old enough now and we're far enough along in life, I think, that we can, we can realize that, that there's a value to that, to, to not just always being like, everything's fine, I'm good, um, I don't need anyone's help.
2: That's, um, that's, again, where House Church really comes in, if I can interject, because it's okay. It's really okay at House Church to be like, I'm not fine, and this is what's going on. And then that smaller group of people, you may feel, feel easier, you know, in, in explaining what's really going on. So.
1: This is kind of a stolen quote, but I butchered it. You can interchange men or women, but all great men must, must first realize that they're ordinary men. Um, you don't need special talents to serve God. Um, every guy in the Bible, every person in history is an ordinary man. Um, if you don't think you're ordinary, then... You probably have other problems, but um, James 4.10 says, Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Um, We all have the ability to serve God. Um, It doesn't take anything special that you're gifted with. Maybe it is music. Maybe it's art. Maybe it's whatever, but everyone is an ordinary person coming in, and they can do great things for God, so don't let that hold you back. Uh, Tune up your vocabulary. Um, That mainly means spending time in the Word so that you know Christianese, so you you can... share something with someone and, and kind of know what to say yes it takes work and no you don't have to know um, weird things about Calvinism and I don't even know what just saying um, just know some basics have a few verses in your pocket or just some words As I always say just say the word gospel ten times a day figure out a way to work it in and uh, that's a good starting point
2: um, also just being able to in Church Project is a great place to invite people, you guys. This is, not all churches that I've even gone to It's a place where I want my friends to come. You know, I'd be like, oh, I hope he doesn't say whatever this week if I bring this friend because they're going to be offended or, you know. And not that Aaron's not going to preach the word and and not be apologetic about it, but um, but this is a place where you can feel free to bring friends and invite people and, and they're going to be welcomed with smiles. They're going to be... Um, Everyone's going to be happy that you're here. And we really are happy that you're here, especially if you're visiting. Um, actually, I'm happy that even not visitors are here. Everyone. I'm happy you're all here. But
1: Actually, I wasn't hoping for so many people. But
2: uh, Well, we were hoping there would only be a few people, so we wouldn't have to relive this over and over. Um, but
1: but it's a great feeling, too. And it's kind of self-satisfying, but just to see someone that you've invited six come. months later, involved in the church, plugged in, serving God, you just – it's like – you can't live off that moment forever and just be like, all right, I'm done. I did.
2: I invited you know, one person. I did my work. I, you
1: know, it, it says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well, a servant doesn't just do one act, and then they're like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to live off this forever. Yeah. But it is, it's a great feeling to see people you know get involved, and, and even non-believers come to know the Lord. So uh, take advantage of the, the cool people here. Bring your friends.
2: And also, you guys, just take um, – this is something I've been trying to be more intentional about. I'm a stay-at-home mom now. In my former life, I was a nurse, um, meaning just a few years ago, actually. I feel like, how could I ever do this again? Because I'm so far removed at this point. I, like, play Play-Doh, and um, I'm not doing critical thinking. But um, but invite people into your regular life. I mean, now that I'm a mom, I think I've, I don't have the experience to be out in a workplace, you know, really affecting people. But I go to the playground, and I see other moms, and I could still... I could still um, love on them and speak truth to them and become friends with them, and, and we're, still, we're all put in, in different places to affect different people and even different socioeconomic states, you know, lower, higher, wherever you are, you're there because you can be around people that I can't be. Um, and just to take any opportunity that you can, um, invite someone for lunch at your house. This is something I've just recently been trying to do a lot more is, yeah, my kids are sleeping, come over have coffee with me, or have dinner at my house, or lunch, or whatever, or I'm folding laundry. Just come over, you know? Because it's still, our life is still, uh, we, we want to live it together, and you can still love on people, and you can still get to know them, and um, it doesn't matter what you're doing, that's what I'm saying. So take any opportunity you can to pour into them. It's, it, there's not always going to be a tomorrow, you know? If I say, oh, I'm busy this week, or or my kids are going to be sleeping. I can't go then. Well, then come to my house, but you're not, uh, we're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised next week, and we're definitely not promised even past December 20th here in Greeley, so, you know, it always kind of lights a fire, like, oh, I got stuff to do. You know, I got to talk to these people. I got to invite them, but um, don't wait for that. There's no reason to, as we're here every single day, you know.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, to see this church grow, and, and more importantly, just the kingdom of God grow here in Greeley, it's going to take personal sacrifice From everyone in this room it can't be just the leadership team it can't be um, half the church it needs to be everybody in the church everyone has something they can contribute Um, and I just say get involved you got to learn to say yes more than no Um, that being qualified by the point that you're in a great church um, in some places yes saying yes more than no may be a bad idea because you're just doing all these kind of off-the-wall programs but here um, you have the opportunity to really um, Serve God. You know, Matthew six thirty three says, "Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well." So, God's got to be your number one hobby. Sorry, Broncos. Uh, had to throw a plug in there. Um, and just with that, you know, there's always a balance. A historical argument of, um, f- you know, faith versus works. Um, James two fourteen through twenty six. Check it out. Um, it Really tells you a lot about how this kind of looks t- to have faith, but also to have deeds. Uh Uh-oh, the police are here. Um, And then uh, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, reminds us that we're saved by faith, not works. So there is a balance there. Um, You know, if you just get in the mindset, i got to do, 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 and not ever rest in what God's already done, 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 then you kind of make an error there. And you don't get the opportunity to pour into people's lives very often, so if an opportunity does come up, that you can actually have conversation, that you can spend time with people, um, take it. Practice loving people and practice serving them because that's the only way you get better at it. Man, the kids are screaming, we got to move fast. Yeah, I think we're good. Uh, what do we think's in store for Church Project? Um, honestly, I don't know. Only God knows. But I can tell you one thing. Um, we don't have to figure it out. We just have to serve and be faithful um, and hold on for the ride. And enjoy it. Have fun. And enjoy it. Have fun. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. If you're truly serving God, you're, you're going to find joy in that. And it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to come and hang out with uh, the people here. Um, and um, what's next for us? Um, we're moving to Flagstaff. Uh, as we said earlier, um, I'm actually on call or gone for like the next six Sundays, so it's maybe like a, I just throw everything out and you never see me again type thing. No, I'll be here. Um, but we're excited about it, but it's always scary to go to a new community. Uh, when we moved to Greeley, we were basically the first year without real community, and that was pretty rough. Uh, that was a big step back, I think, in our life with Jesus. Um, but I, I think that God's opening some cool doors there. Um, and just to close with uh, Chariots of Fire, my favorite movie ever, um, as I said before, if you're truly serving God, you're going to find joy in that. Um, you're going to find pleasure. And uh, Isaiah forty thirty one. One of our favorite verses says, "But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint." I mean, that sounds pretty cool to me.
2: Yeah, that's probably my favorite too. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Sorry that we <laughs> we had lots to say. Thanks, man.